Want to have safe kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky safe sex needs satisfied by visiting AdamEve.com. Sex, dating, relationships, and all things kept on the hush. Welcome to Hush, the podcast that brings you the shit you love to hear. Let's slide into the episode. Dropping that sexiness for your ears as we enter another volume of Hush. Hello everybody and welcome to the Hush podcast. I'm very excited to bring you my guest today, Karen Freeland. Karen Freeland is a recovered corporate workaholic. After years in high-pressure leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies, she's traded the boardroom for the bedroom. In her hilarious tell-all book, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir. She recounts the mishaps and misadventures she's had over the past 40 years with a special partner in crime, her vagina named V. Women of all ages can relate to this raw and honest journey of first, long-term relationships, and finding pleasure. Karen is also a speaker and certified life and reinvention coach, focused on helping women transform their lives and achieve their dreams. Through her signature Edit Your Life program, she offers one-on-one coaching, giving women all the tools and techniques needed to conquer fears and find their purpose. Karen Freeland is married with two kids and resides in Greenville, South Carolina with their dog. Very awesome to have you here. I'm very excited about Thank this. You. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you. Very awesome. Again, I, I read the book, and as I told you before the interview, I couldn't put it down. I thought it was... <laughs> I loved it, honestly. Just... Some of the the monologue that you have with V in there, it, it it's great. <laughs> I've definitely had some of those talks Thank myself. You. Nothing makes an author's day like hearing someone couldn't put your book down. So <laughs> that is great news. And I just want to go ahead and get started. What inspired you to write the ins and outs of my vagina, a penetrating memoir? Yeah, I think I'll answer it slightly differently. I think what inspired me to publish it was knowing that I never wanted another woman to feel alone. You know, there were so many times throughout the course of my life that I felt either ashamed of my body, embarrassed about my body, um, uncomfortable, confused, like I was broken. I mean, there were so many instances where I just felt like, why don't we talk about these things? And I'm like, if my story can help one woman just realize that her body is normal, that this is happening to all of us, then that is the whole reason for publishing this. But your original question, what inspired me to write it, 
actually, uh, I talk a lot about it in chapter 30, all looped up with nowhere to go, but it was actually my husband's idea, which a lot of people are shocked by. Um, but as I was preparing for birth, the birth of my first son, the doctor, the OB, told me to do a perineal massage, which basically is taking olive oil and putting it on your vulva to stretch out your body so it doesn't tear when you push the baby out. That might sound terrifying to some of you, um, and it sounded terrifying to me as well at first, but I tried it. It went horribly wrong, which I totally detail in the book, and my husband came home from work, and he's just like, what the hell happened in the bathroom? Why is there olive oil everywhere? And as I was trying to explain it, he just looked me dead in the eye and was like, I know what you should do. I'm like, what? What is your advice for me? And he's like, you should write a book and call it I Don't Know My Vagina. Because it's clear <laughs> that you do not know how this thing works. And that really was the beginning of the whole inspiration for the book. And I thought, at first, of course, I thought he was crazy. I'm like, who would read a book about my vagina? What would I even write? But that seed was planted, and it just grew into a garden. And I was like, I have so many vagina stories. <laughs> I actually do have a book. <laughs> And speaking about that, was V originally a character you intended to incorporate, or did it come along in the writing process? Yeah, great question. It was actually um, added after the first draft was almost completely done, uh, that I had written like almost 70,000 words myself before I brought my editor onto the project. And when my editor and I were brainstorming and talking about how we wanted to really make this book fresh and like something no one else had ever read that was when we came up with the character of V so it was really exciting and fun to go back and relive all those moments to be like what was V saying to me like what was going on in her head or, you know in my vagina <laughs> and like what was what was my retort with her and so building out that whole relationship was really fun and it was also really labor intensive because I basically had to go back through and rewrite the entire book with V in mind. And so that's part of the reason why you don't meet V until part two when I start to come into adolescence because we thought it was really a great time for her to kind of be birthed almost like as that puberty and those hormones are like really take peaking. Um, it was just a great fun time to reintroduce or to introduce V to the audience. Speaking of the writing process, how long did it take you to write the book? 10 years um, but I wasn't writing the whole time so I started in 2009 right after my son was born after I had brainstormed the last couple of months of pregnancy like what would I write about while I was on maternity leave I actually broke out the laptop and wrote a few chapters and then life got in the way you know I went back to work after maternity leave and I was doing the whole corporate thing and chasing the paychecks and the titles and uh, really just focused so much on my career and then I had my second son but every once in a while I would get a little inspiration and I would sit down and I'd write a couple chapters and then I'd walk away from it sometimes for years at a time and then it wasn't until 2019 we had two deaths in the family and it really hit me hard and I was like what am I doing with my life like what are my dreams what are my goals what are the things that I want to accomplish and it was like a, out of nowhere, just this thought came from the depths of my brain and was like, your memoir, you 
have to finish your memoir. And it's, I'm really glad that it took me as long as it did because it would not be the same book that it was today if I had written it 10 years earlier. Um, there's so many things that I went through with my vagina that just would have been left out if I had written it just after the birth of my first son. So I think everything happens for a reason, you know, the right timing. I totally believe that. First of all, my condolences. I am happy to hear that that kind of pushed you um, to find, you know, your purpose, so to speak. I feel like that's important. I feel like a lot of people give up on their passions in life and we just get consumed with our day in and day out routines. So it's beautiful to see that you took something from a low moment and made it positive, honestly. Yeah, I always say, I mean, obviously I wish my family members were still here. Um, however, being that they're not, and I have no control over that, like their deaths were not in vain. It was really a catalyst for me to almost have a rebirth, a reinvention of my own life. And I'm forever grateful for that opportunity because if it were for that, I don't know when I would have had this, you know, epiphany that I needed to write this book. Maybe I'd still be in corporate making PowerPoints. I don't know, you know? So it really did work out. Were people immediately supportive of your idea? Well, it was, it's a bit of a roller coaster. You know, I think at first I announced it on Facebook because I was like, I have to tell people now that I have an editor, this is real. Like I have to start talking about this and I have to start building my platform so that when the book comes out, I have an audience of people waiting to buy it. So Initially, I think everybody was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You're writing a book and it's about your vagina. What? <laughs> like, what could be in there? There was so much speculation about what I could possibly be talking about. People were like, do you have an open marriage? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny to them, like, where they went because they couldn't imagine, like, what else could she be talking about with her vagina? Um, and it's so much more than sex, you know, it really is all the experiences, you know, from periods to urinary tract infections to, um, you know, pregnancy woes. I mean, there's, there's so many things that happen with our vaginas. Yeah. We always go to the sex route. Um, but anyway, so I think people were initially like, oh, this is so cool. And then the questions came, you know, the calls from my mom. So exactly what do you say about me in the book, you know? <laughs> Or, like, the conversations with my husband about, like, I can't believe you're telling them this. Or, why did you have to put that chapter about us making a sex tape? Or, you know, which is not available for sale. It was just something we did for ourselves. Um, and it's way less glamorous than it sounds. So, you know, <laughs> read the book. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, so we had to have some heart-to-hearts. I mean, there were some, some rough moments, uh, definitely, along the journey. But I think overall... Everyone has been like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you had a dream, you had a goal, and you followed through on it, and that's amazing. Like, you wrote a book. Now, I think a lot of people wish I'd written, like, a thriller or, like, a romantic comedy, but, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? This was the story that I needed to tell, and that's just the way it worked out. I love that. That's beautiful. With that, did you face any criticism? Um, yeah. Yeah, there has been some criticism. There has been some who feel like it's not racy enough, almost, which is kind of interesting. Like, they almost feel like it's it's not, they expected something more taboo, and then they read it, and they're kind of like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought. Then I've had the exact opposite, where I've had some people um, 
who are very religious. I'm also religious, so it's kind of always shocking to me. Um, but they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would tell people about your sex moments. And this, you know, they're very <laughs> turned off, which I, I totally get. This book is definitely not for everyone. Um, you know, and I, I think there's there are some really important themes in the book early on where I am talking about, you know, in eighth grade, being in a situation with another boy who wanted to go further than I was ready to go. And a lot of people have said, hey, you know, this is kind of like reminiscent of me too. This is like you were in some really interesting situations that I don't know if you realize could be interpreted very differently, like almost like sexual abuse. And I didn't see it that way, but there was definitely some feedback along those lines from a few people. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting that that's where your head goes. And I'm thinking, well, we need to give young girls and women strategies for when they're in a situation that makes them uncomfortable, how to speak up for themselves, how to talk about these things, how to say no and know that no means no. So I'm hoping that that's going to be the reaction that most people have. Oh, wow, I do need to talk to my eighth grade daughter or my seventh grade daughter about these things because she may be in a situation sooner than I think she's going to be in a situation. I totally agree with that. You talked about having a religious background. I grew up with uh, my father's side of the family, Christian, and then my mother's side, Catholic. So I was actually baptized into Catholicism. And yeah. people always find it crazy, like, but you're hosting a podcast about sex. And I'm like, because it was taboo. We couldn't talk about these things. The only one I could talk to was my mom because she was a teen mom. So she laid out the talk pretty straightforward. Like, these are the things that can happen when you're having adult activities, yeah. you know? And I say this because I had two kids by 17. So in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not going that route. So I went to graduated high school, went to university, got my degree, and was just like focused, you know. But yeah. it wouldn't have happened that way if we didn't have that talk. Yes. And I feel like. And I love that you are talking about this because there is so much shame. And like, I know I follow a lot of like um, Christian sex channels also like you know people were talking about it and there's so many women who just even feel embarrassed about having sex with their spouse and mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable for them and I'm like no we gotta talk about these things like it shouldn't be that taboo and I'm always like okay wait but Christians have vaginas right we still we all get to understand what episiotomy is we can still tear during birth so like I mean unless you have some crazy super vagina like then you would need to read this otherwise you need to read this book I totally agree totally um with my mom like talking about the period talk um my mom didn't have her mother to do that because it was so taboo like in, in the catholic in the catholic background that we had like she never taught her how to use a tampon or pads she had to learn that from my aunt which is uh, her older sister so, like, we had open talks as soon as she knew that I was hitting uh, puberty and adolescence about how to do these things because nobody taught her. So, honestly, I, I, I hope that your book sparks more of that conversation amongst people as well. Like, these things, you know, are, are natural and we need to embrace that. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that um, a portion of the proceeds from my book go to Alliance for Period Supplies to help raise awareness about period of po period poverty 
Um, because there's so many young girls who actually don't go to school. They stay home because they don't have the products to manage their periods. So they're afraid that they're going to bleed out in math class, you know, so they stay home. But then other women aren't going to get ahead if they're missing out on their education or they can't go to work or hold down a job. And, you know, there's so many issues that are happening right here in America, which is crazy. You know, we don't think of that as like happening in first world countries, but it is. And so that's why for every, every copy sold, a portion of the proceeds goes to Alliance for Period Supplies. I think that's beautiful, that's progressive, and I'm all for that. I am. I want to get back into switching it up just a little bit. Was it difficult to write about your past experiences? Um, yes and no. So, yes, from the sense of, you know, writing a chapter about a miscarriage. You know, to really take the reader there with you, you basically have to relive that entire experience. You have to take yourself back to the apartment. You have to take yourself back to that bathroom, to the excruciating cramps that I was feeling in my in my stomach, um, to looking into the toilet and seeing the blood, to looking at your unborn baby, trigger warning, uh, on, a, on a tissue right in front of your face. And that just reliving it in and of itself was incredibly painful but I knew I had to tell that that story because it is so common and we don't talk about it and I suffered in silence I went through that whole process um all by myself other than my husband but you know he understood obviously he was grieving as well but he didn't experience it so it was still different and I didn't have someone that I could just call up and be like hey can we talk about this how did you handle this because no one talks about these things um so I knew I had to include it but it was also challenging because I didn't want my baby my unborn baby you know to be just another chapter or just another statistic like I didn't want to I don't know what the word is cheap and tarnish that um that life you know that very real thing so so that was challenging too you know from that perspective but I say yes it was easy in the sense that you know this is my first book I had never written a book before and being that it was a memoir like all the characters except for B really were already developed right I already knew who Brad was you know I already knew who Damien was I knew what they looked like like I didn't have to create that so that made it really easy and you know, it was fun to relive some of the other moments, like the first time my husband and I, now, you know, boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, had sex and he put rose petals out for me and it was like, oh gosh, why don't you do that for me anymore? That was so sweet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we had fun reading those chapters together, you know, and like, and he would tell me things sometimes. He's like, Karen, that's not how it went down. He's like, I didn't finish the first time we hooked up or no, not didn't finish, it was when we were in the dorm. He's like, He's like, I finished in my pants before we were even, like, got that part. I was like, you did? He's like, yeah. I was like, I was really drunk. I didn't remember that. He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, let's change that in the story. So it was good because we could back check each other. (laughs) (laughs) Now i got to ask, he wasn't embarrassed about that? Like, admitting that for you to put that out in the chapter? I was surprised, too. (laughs) 
such a good sport about the whole thing. Like, so supportive. And he's like, Karen, if this is your dream and this is what you want to do, he's like, do you, you know? Yeah. You get that. That's beautiful. It's good to have that support. With V. With V in general, was it difficult for you to write about your relationship with her? A little bit, because I think it still is taboo. You know, I mean, how many people are walking around talking to their vagina? (laughs) Um, So, yes, in that sense, it was a little tricky. and um, I wanted to do her justice. You know, I really wanted to create the character that I have lived with my whole life. And give her that personality that I know she has. So, so that was uh, an interesting challenge. But again, fun, right? Because it could be so playful. And it really should be a natural thing for us. I totally agree with that. Definitely agree. Give me just a moment. I'm bringing up the poem sure. for the next part. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so this all happened... This poem, by the way, it's only two lines, but uh, I was explaining to my friend um, the podcast interview that we're doing right now, and so I go over with him um, different guests that I'm going to bring on, different things that I want to discuss, and I started opening up about V to him. I was like, I think that's so awesome that she really just put a character in her book and it's her vagina and it has a name like it, it's beautiful I said <laughs> and I was at work and by night I'm like a 911 dispatcher so when things slow down I have time to like take some breaks and, and um, during one of my breaks I was brainstorming with the friends of benefits and was like well if I could come up with a name for my vagina because V's taken <laughs> um, <Yeah>. well, <laughs> what would I come up with so we were really just spending like five minutes or so and finally I was like destiny and then he's like I got a poem about this (laughs) and he's like (laughs) he said destiny is fitting to all who seek and amused to all who've been like oh my god okay (laughs) sold (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I was inspired by the book That's how I feel. I feel oh, the same you know, way. <laughs> but I was totally inspired. <laughs> and I was like, I explained too, like, I didn't go into detail because I didn't want to ruin the book because he's like, I think I'm going to read that. You know? And I was like, you should. Just because you're a guy doesn't mean you can't read about vaginas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've had a lot of guys read it and say that they really enjoyed it and they learned something about women. Right? Although about how guy, we think. The one bit of criticism was from a guy. He's like, I don't think it was that right. Really- at all. I was like, well, okay. 
I think that's awesome. I totally had that conversation though about like we should all and that that was actually going to lead into my next question. <laughs> should more women feel comfortable with naming their vaginas? So I was like, you know what? I have a relationship yeah. with Destiny. <laughs> yes, we should. Why not? No, I get it. Somebody is watching or listening to this podcast right now and they're rolling their eyes like <laughs> I'm never naming my vagina. And that's cool. But it's, it's, everybody's different, right? So how we tap into our sexual energy is going to be different for everyone. You know, some people are just going to put on some lingerie and they're going to feel really special and really magical. And other people are just maybe going to have a quiet meditation with their vagina to get more in touch with it. How are you feeling? You know, how can I bring you more pleasure? How can I heal you and make you feel better? Um, so it really depends on what works for the person. I guess everybody is their own individual. But yes, generally speaking, I think we should all name our vaginas because then <laughs> we can have a conversation with it. You know, you we give can. it an identity. There's actually a question that I missed that I wanted to talk about. So, and it has to do with V. Um, Do you feel like you learned a lot about V over the years? Yes. And I'm still learning. It is a never-ending learning spree with a vagina, I think. (laughs) Um, So now I'm starting to go, and this isn't in the book, but it might give me um, fodder for a sequel. I'm starting to go through perimenopause. And so now I'm in, like, a whole new season with my vagina and having to deal with like vaginal dryness so and like even when I'm turned on and um, I'm dealing with mood swings like no other and trying to go back on birth control and then I had my period for a month straight and it's just been like <laughs> one thing after another um, so yeah so I think you're constantly learning about your vagina uh, I'll tell you one funny story when I was getting ready to set up my website I knew I needed some new pictures because mine were from like 2008 when I was doing some modeling and stuff and so I hired a photographer same person who had done my shots back in 2008 and I got all new pictures done but I said because of the book I want to get a couple in lingerie and I wanted like be holding olive oil and and, like you know just kind of like do some silly things for the book promotion so I bring this lingerie set I go in the bathroom, I put on the thigh highs, the garter belt, the underwear, you know, the bustier. I'm like, okay, I'm looking good. I walk out, and the photographer's husband is like the lighting guy. He like <laughs> does all the lighting, like holds up the shades to like reflect the light. And he takes one look at me, and he goes, you know you're wearing that wrong, right? And I'm like, what do you mean I'm wearing lingerie wrong? Like, how is a guy telling me? Okay. And I'm like 39 at this point, 39, 40, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, the underwear go over the thigh highs in the garter belt. Or else how are you supposed to take the underwear off so you can have sex? And I was like, oh, right. That explains so much why me and my husband have so much trouble. And we just have sliding the underwear to the side. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Here I am. I'm still learning how to wear lingerie. So, again, we're always learning about me. But, yes, it was, it was a very eye-opening process to relive all those moments again. That's actually funny that you mentioned that. So, I took um, I took a break from the podcast about, like, in 2020 because uh, I used to host it with my ex-husband at the time. And I decided to pull back and... Um, 
actually take some time to heal after that relationship. That's kind of what I talked about in the previous episode that I just recorded. Um, I took some time away because I felt like I had to take that healing. And when I came back to the podcast, I was going to relaunch um, on my birthday, which is when I turned 32 this year. And uh, I wanted to do a photo shoot. So my sister has a friend that lives out in Utah, and um, I paid her to come down here. So she used to live in Tucson, which is where I'm at. She moved out to Utah. She does uh, photography there. But she'll come back to Arizona, and she'll um, do photography here as well. So we set up a shoot um, a couple weeks before my birthday. And it's funny because, like, as a woman, you would think, like, you know, you know how to slip on the lingerie. But her and my sister were actually helping me at certain points. And then I was like, you know what? I have the wrong fishnet stockings for this, you know? So we're like, okay, let's clip it like this. Let's put this here. We'll angle you you this way. And nobody will even notice that the stockings don't go with this. (laughs) I love it. Isn't it so funny? It's like, you feel like, oh, my gosh, I should know this stuff, right? Yes. And the funny thing is, like, nobody really notices all the work that goes in behind that. That was a little bit of a workout with certain, like, angles that you're holding, you know? And, like, (laughs) we were laughing. I had taken... So, to loosen up, I'm, like, a whiskey girl. So, I had my Jack Daniels in the room, in the hotel room. So, it was a hotel room that we booked. And uh, we were setting things up there. And... My sister's friend was like, you should probably take a shot now. You know, you should drink, relax. It's going to be fine. And so I did that, and it was cool. It was really cool. But I don't think a lot of people notice, like, not only to get into these outfits, you know, where you feel sexy in, but also to hold the poses. I was like, oh, my goodness. Are we almost done? (laughs) It was fun, though. (laughs) I would do it again, but it took work, and I totally get it. I think everyone should do that. I think everyone should have sexy pictures of themselves taken if for no other reason that when I'm like 80 and I'm wrinkly I'm gonna be like I lose to be hot right (laughs) (laughs) and this was like an empowerment thing it was like okay I'm coming back to podcasting and I'm doing this alone now and um I just got I didn't know at the time um I didn't find out till like three days after the photo shoot I had just gotten my LLC approved in Arizona so I was like yes you know what I mean like I'm moving on and doing things uh, empowering myself after after the breakup it's complicated with me and my ex we were together we divorced and then we got back together like four years later and then we broke up and that was it twice is enough <laughs> with that story yeah. so um I was definitely wanting to to feel um, that type of motivation and empowerment. So I laughed, though, about the lingerie, though, because I had started buying these things for my ex when I was, like, 19 from Frederick's, like the way that you mentioned. I was like, oh, I remember Frederick's. <laughs> and I used to do that because I was petite. Didn't have I didn't have two kids like I do now. And um, you would think, though, we would know these things. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> But that was a cool little side story. Um, I do want to go ahead and continue on. With the conversations that you have with V, do you feel like more women should be having these conversations with their vagina if they're not already? Yeah, why not? Totally I mean, agree. there's so much insight to be gleaned. Just 
just like you would sit down and journal, right? And pour out your heart and the feelings that are in your heart. Why not journal from your vagina's perspective for a day? Why not see <laughs> if you've been neglecting her? How is she feeling? I mean, and it'll change based on the season, right? Like my vagina is in a different place in the winter than in the summer or, you know, in the spring. I mean, just depending on whatever's going on. Like, I think that that's such a source of empowerment. Like, that's such a great word that you chose. I mean, when you are tapping into your sexual energy, and not just sexual, I mean, there's so many health things there too, but when you're tapping into all of that, like, it really can bring you such a sense of clarity and, and peace and wholeness. It does. And it probably sounds crazy for some people if you've never done it. And it'll be totally weird the first couple times you talk to your vagina. I promise you that. You're going to be like, I don't really know what to say to you. It's kind of like my orchid is dead in the background. But, like, <laughs> I try to talk to my orchid and I'm just like, hey, orchid, I love your leaves. They're so pretty in the background of my conference calls. I'm like, I don't know what to say to you. But, like, over time more familiar with it and the conversation is much more natural you know so it's a same thing with your body you talk about having natural conversations I've totally thought with my vagina I have I've been like yes we are really gonna hook up with this guy or this is the next one that I is <laughs> on my list <laughs> do you feel like more women what do you feel like women think like that in general yeah but they won't admit it I totally agree. I mean, I do. <laughs> this, is one of, this is one of the biggest things I've learned from writing the book. We are not unicorns. I am not as unique as I would like to think I am, right? Like, I I seriously thought until I was probably 30 years old, and I talk about it in the book, that I was the only woman with vaginal discharge. Like, I just thought it was me. Like, I was weird. Like, my vagina was gross. Like, I'm the only one out there. Then I watch a special by Amy Schumer, how she talks about wishing she um, could just take off a pair of underwear and have it not look like she blew her nose in it. And I was like, oh, there's other people with vaginal discharge. Like, it was so validating. And I feel like this is the exact same thing. Like, we are not that unique. Like, so if I'm thinking like that, someone else is 150 million percent thinking exactly like that. Is it everybody? No, obviously. But I think there are plenty of women that are like, ooh, we got to get us some of that tonight. You know? <laughs> totally agree. I totally. I was like, yep, yeah, this, this is a conversation I've had with Destiny before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the destiny is fulfilled. <laughs> I'm so done. Yeah, and like, it can work for us or against us sometimes, right? Like, sometimes exactly. I'm like, let's do this. And my vagina's like, no, girl, I'm just, nope. And I'm like, what do you mean? No. Like, hello, I need you to get with the party tonight. Like, this is going down. And then there's been other times, you know, where I think, like, you, you know, sometimes you, like, sometimes you work against each other, and sometimes you actually end up helping the other one out. Like, look, I know he looks hot, but, like, no, we, we don't need that right now in our lives. This is going to bring more confusion than good. Like, okay, we got to, like, have a chat about this. We agree. We're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> I've been there before, too. <laughs> I have been right. talked myself out of it. Had that conversation. <laughs> yep. And that might be as simple as the conversation is, you know, but it's just that being in tune at that level to go, okay, what am I thinking? What are you thinking? Be okay. Like, let's, let's get on the same page here. And you know, from reading the book, there were so many times V and I were on totally different planets. It's just like, <laughs> we're not seeing eye to eye. 
I totally feel that way too. <laughs> there are some times where she does the thinking. <laughs> the vagina yeah. does the thinking. <laughs> Let's... I always say guys think with their heads, meaning their penis. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> sorry guys, you don't get to own that. Like, we do it too. Exactly, exactly, we do. <laughs> Let's switch it up a little bit and talk about your role as a life and reinvention coach. What inspired you to take that path in life? Yeah, really, it came about as I started writing the book. I, I honestly had no intentions of completely leaving corporate, and I didn't even know if I was actually going to publish the book at first. I thought maybe I'm just doing this as a fun pet project. But as I started to write the book and see my job more as a way to fund my dreams, I was like, oh, I'm excited about life again. Like, I have this outlet for creativity. Like, I'm able to live my passions. I'm, I was just getting so energized. I was like, I got to tell other women about this. You know, I want them to have the same excitement for life. I want them to go for their dreams and not feel stuck and frustrated like I had felt for so many years, just trapped in my job. Um, so for me, that it was kind of just like a natural evolution to come into life coaching. And once I got certified and started taking clients, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually good at this. <laughs> you, know, you never really know when you're going into a new venture and starting a business. Um, it was something new for me, so I was, I was totally nervous, you know. But uh, I had my first couple of clients, and they just went so well. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is my forever job, I think. Um, I mean, we're always changing, so who knows. But uh, for now, I'm just absolutely loving it been doing it for about two years now um, and it brings me so much joy because I get to watch their transformation I get to watch someone who is stuck frustrated overwhelmed burning the candle at both ends take time for herself and say okay no this is what I really want out of life and then make a game plan to make it come true I think that's beautiful I told you too, like in the beginning, um, I feel like a lot of us lose our passions and it, it's beautiful to see that like reignited within people. Honestly, I feel like that makes a big difference. It's a major impact and I feel like life is all about impact. Yes. And it was like, sometimes it's the simplest things. Like I remember just going to New York City and taking a hip hop dance class because I went to college for dance. That was my major. So... Obviously, I wasn't doing that as a corporate marketing executive, you know, like had fallen by the wayside. And I took this hip hop dance or hip hop um, dance and then hip hop yoga class. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't had this much fun in ages. <laughs> like, and it was just such a simple thing. But then by carving out a little bit of time every month for me to do something that I love, it just totally changed my outlook on life. It does. That actually reminds me of this video. Um, so I was at, before I became the 911 dispatcher, I have a little bit of background. I have a journalism degree. I have published some articles, published an ebook as well. Um, but uh, oh. I was, uh, <laughs> thank you. I was, I, I told you, like, I went through the divorce and then I have two kids. 
So I ended up like going through like call centers and things like that. And I felt like that just sucked the soul out of me. Like, no thanks. You know, <laughs> I would never do that again. But when I was there, I was, that's when I was actually writing poetry for the ebook that I published just every day, day in and day out. There was one cool thing about one of the call centers that I worked at. It was this YouTube video and I forgot what it was called. I think it was like 211 degrees or something. Basically, it was like this one degree difference between water being um, stable and water boiling. So it's like one degree every day that you turn into the direction that you want to turn into, things will happen. You'll see the effect and um, things will start to to unfold, you know, in wherever you put that energy into, basically. And so that's what that kind of reminds me of. It reminds me of something like that. Like all it takes is just that little bit of time each day to dedicate yourself until you could fully immerse yourself into whatever you're passionate about. I love that. I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) I do want to touch on on what you offer. Um, Can you explain the Edit Your Life program? Yeah, sure. So Edit is an acronym. And I came up with it because... Just like I was working with an editor who was helping me edit each chapter, you know, he never got my chapter and said, oh, it's all garbage, throw it out, start over. He would say, oh, wow, this is a solid foundation. Now, what if we tweak this? What if we add a little more humor here? What if we actually hold off and make this the punchline? And then it would go from, like, good to great or okay to great. And it's basically the same thing that I'm helping these women do with their lives. We are taking a couple of tweaks that are going to have massive impact on their life and completely change the way that it's working for them. So, uh, and I like to share that because I don't want people to think it's scary, right? Hiring a life coach isn't like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make all these massive changes. Not necessarily. Sometimes it's just really little things uh, that will have the most impact. So edit stands for envision the goal, document the goal, invest in the goal, and take action. And so with envisioning the goal, there's a lot of brainstorming, there's a lot of journaling, there's a lot of vision boarding and just really coming up with what are all those deep secrets that you've had burning inside of your heart for years that you are suppressing, that you're saying, no, I can't really go do that. Um, I've always wanted to be a teacher, but oh no, that won't make me enough money. Or I always wanted to open an animal rescue shelter, but oh gosh, how could I do that? I spent all this time getting my master's degree and it's like who cares like are you happy (laughs) let's get you doing what you actually want to do so then once we dream big and we come up with the top three to five goals that they really want to work towards that align with their values then we start to document and come up with the plan because you know you can dream all you want but until you turn it into a plan and you put it on paper and you have action steps to get you there it's not really going to do you any good And then we work through that plan. I get to hold them accountable the whole way so you can't fail. And then we also focus on investing, investing your time, your energy, your money, your resources into making these goals come to fruition. And also, what do we want to stop investing in? Because that's the thing. We can't just keep adding stuff to our plates. Women love to do that. We love to say yes to everything because we want to do it all. But we can't (laughs) do it all. No one can do it all. We're human. There's 24 hours in a day, and we need to sleep for at least eight of those. So we got to figure out what we want to do with that rest of the time that we're awake. So I work a lot on like, what are we going to stop doing? What do we take off of our plates so that we can better use our time? 
And then T is take action. And that is all about making sure that we are taking the right steps and adjusting as we go. And when my clients get scared, because they always do, it's going to be unnerving. You're going through a lot of change. Then I'm right there to prop them back up, hold them, keep them strong, keep them focused, talk them off a ledge and help them achieve their goals. That's awesome. And it's, yeah, I should just share too. It's all custom. So I don't have like a cookie cutter program. Like, okay, week one, we're going to do this. Week two, we're going to do that. It's 100% based on the needs of that client. So one client might do a vision board and another one doesn't need it or already has one or whatever. So I meet my clients where they are and then we go from there. Very awesome. That is really cool. Are you available anywhere for your services, speeches, or seminars? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Most of my coaching is virtual. So I do all of it online. um, So I can coach anywhere in the world. And yeah, I'm definitely open for traveling and speaking and um, I love, I love being able to speak to audiences and getting them excited and inspired to make change. That is very cool. Yeah. It's so tangible. It just makes it, it fills you up, right? It makes you feel so good. Yeah, it does. It's that sense of fulfillment, and I feel like we all need that. Would you be able to share a little bit about your future projects? Yeah, I actually have um, a program coming up. It's a free three-day challenge called Creating Confidence. So you can go to my website, karenfreeland.com forward slash confidence and check it out. It's starting at the end of the end of July. I think it's like the 27th through the 29th. Um, don't quote me, but I think those are the dates. And it's a one hour challenge. Each day we meet in my Facebook group, Successful Working Women Rocking Reinvention. And we're going to help you build unshakable confidence in, in three days. So if you that sounds like you you want to have more confidence to go for your goals or your dreams or sell your career um, that's definitely a great one to check out and then of course I am thinking now about starting my second book uh, which is going to be more in line with coaching and really talking about how you can edit your life and um, grab a hold of those dreams and make them come to fruition so that meeting with a publisher tomorrow so we'll see that's awesome that's very awesome I'll be looking out for that Yes, follow me on uh, Instagram, at Karen Freeland, Karen with an I, and uh, you can obviously just follow along, and I'll be letting people know as new things come out. Speaking of that, where else can people reach you? Yeah, my website is the best place, karenfreeland.com. Go there, you'll see all of my free downloads and resources. Um, There's links to all of my social accounts. Of course, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, so... You know, you can't miss me on all the social platforms, too. Is there any? Go get the book. Yes. The book's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And for those in South Carolina, you can get it uh, in some of the select indie bookstores, too. Yes, yes, yes. I'm telling you, they're not going to be able to put this book down. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) I finished it. You heard it here from a reader first. I'm looking forward to your future endeavors and I wish you the best with that. And I want to thank you for coming on to Hush and uh, spending some time just to talk about things. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Kim, for the opportunity. You're welcome. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today for another special edition of Hush. You can find us on thehushpodcast.com, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Red Dragons Radio, 
any Alexa-enabled devices and all other major platforms. Also, make sure to visit me on Instagram and Twitter at hushpodcast69. Hope you enjoy.